Hey everybody and welcome back to another episode of Chasing Grand Champ. We are still on the chase, unfortunately. I am back to Champ 2, but I have somebody here that is hopefully going to help me. Just, I mean, everybody's always been a help. But uh, on this episode, we have another uh, one of the hosts from ASAP Weekly, the other, uh, the other, oh my gosh, the other Rocket League podcast that I was on recently. If you haven't checked it out, be sure to do so because we recorded that after I recorded with Flash and it was a real good time. And I had the pleasure of meeting on that podcast, my guest tonight. He was nice enough to come on and talk uh, Rocket League with me some more. Uh, he is a coach. He does all kinds of coaching, and I'm sure he'll be happy to talk a little bit more about that here in a few seconds. Combo, thank you so much for uh, joining me on the show. No, thanks. Thank you. I, like I'm, I've, you've had quite the cast so far. So being able to be in that company, I'm, I'm uh, very honored. Truthfully, I've, I've been around, and uh, this is actually my first time being on a podcast that is not my own. So uh, excited to, to, to see where it goes. Well, I am happy to pop that cherry for you. <laughs> Cool. Well, why don't you tell me, since we're not extremely familiar with each other, why don't you tell me a little bit about uh, where you are with Rocket League, where you come from, and just like uh, what what the game is like for you right now? Yeah, uh, I, I appreciate the distinction of right now because it is very different from when I started. Uh, I am a so my background as a as a human is coaching. Uh, I've always been in actual traditional sport. Uh, I've coached hockey and soccer. Uh, my current career path is technically in coaching, uh, but in a more career area. So for me, Rocket League has always been it's been as close to a sport as I've been able to find it. I know you've talked about that with other uh, guests as well from what I've been listening. And so for me right now, the game truthfully, and if we, we quickly chatted about this before we started has lost a lot of the kind of competitive edge for me, but it's really birthed this complete focus on bettering others, which has been a lot of fun for me because that's who I am as a person anyways. So being able to, throw that into a game that I have over 3000 hours in is, is pretty valuable for me and has kind of reclaimed the, the drive, the chase of grand champ that I, I unfortunately never really had. I, I, I found a lot of success early in the game. Uh, and I think it's because I introduced tr aspects of traditional sport to it, which I'd love to talk about today. But uh, so for me, like I was, I was a platinum in season one, which was the highest rank at the time. I was a super champ in season two, tickled grand champion, but didn't quite get there. Uh, and then from season three on, I've always been uh, up in grand champ. And so I haven't felt the grind. And if there was anything that actually did halt my coaching a bit, and that's what I'm finding recently when we're talking about where I'm at now, is uh, I, I feel as if it's harder now to, I feel like a boomer with the, the joke of the OK Boomer uh, going that I'm like the boomer of Rocket League, that I don't understand the grind that some of my, uh, some of the folks that I'm working with are going through. And I, I've definitely seen it all the way through. Like one of my good buddies, uh, I started with him in season three and he just hit grand champion for the first time last season. And like, so I've seen his grind and like, I know what that looks like. And I played with him all the way through. Uh, and he was very proud because he got grand champ without me like quote carrying him. Like he really wanted to do it on his own, uh, which I really appreciate. And but yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of where I'm at now is it's really, I don't really play a lot of ranked anymore. It's only when a couple of buddies of mine or like the old college guys I used to play with uh, want to still play ranked. Like I, was, I played a little ranked today, played literally two games and I was like, yeah, I'm done for the day. Uh, that's, all, that's all I need. 
Whereas then, for instance, last Saturday, uh, I coached for six hours straight between uh, five different people. So uh, that's kind of where now I'm finding my grind and my chase of, of trying to be the best coach I can be. And uh, the difference between working through, between teams, players, the works is, uh, has really been kind of my big inspiration recently. So yeah, it's a little bit about my current state, at least. Nice. Well, uh, that's good. I think we'll be able to get a lot of different perspectives from you then. And I mean, so obviously I am, and this is one of the first games that I've really taken seriously. And I would say it's just been, you know, the past six to 10 months that I've taken it serious enough that I feel like I'm constantly improving or wanting to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, and also just being in the right mindset to improve. I think there's, I mean, mindset as somebody that, you know, thinks about coaching in all different aspects, you have to have the right mindset to improve. That's not the point that I was about to make though. <laughs> like you're, you're in your own kind of place where you have been able to maintain grand champ uh, mm-hmm. since season three, because there are, there are people that, you know, might've been grand champ in season three, season four, season five, but now they get back into the game or they start playing the game after a little bit of a break and they can't quite get there. Or there are those people that were grand champ in season eight, nine or 10. And now in 11 or 12, they can't get it again. So yeah. There is something to be said about, uh, you know, maintaining that level of play. So what what have you seen evolve or how have you seen your own play evolve over the past couple of years to be able to maintain playing in at a grand champ level? I knew from listening to your your podcast, you brought out the, the big questions and I, you're right into it. And I love it. I, I appreciate that. Um, that's, that's, that's pretty in-depth. I, I would say... At least, so looking at myself then from, and so to, to be completely frank, I I did not achieve grand champion, I believe in season, I forget now, five. Uh, and I only played, I think, 20 games in season five. Uh, I, I basically took a full hard break and a full hard stop. And that that came actually from my kind of loss of a drive for competitive play, uh, because into season four, I was, I would consider myself quite at a, at a peak and I was pretty, I won a lot of weekly tournaments. I was, I was playing pretty consistently. Um, I had found a good team that I was playing with and that was kind of when RLCS was just starting to get its legs and, and, and starting to roll a little better and uh, actually started having a following. And I remember playing six mans and, uh, and I was playing in weeklies and then was kind of finding a lot of success. But the main thing I was often seeing and the hardest thing for me to keep consistent when we are speaking about being able to keep it every season for me was mechanics because, and I think this is where I have found my success as a coach is that my mechanical ability, I remember like so vividly season one and two, I, I did not understand how I was at the rank I was. And I I couldn't really, I could not wrap my mind around it because I felt as if every single game I was being outplayed uh, mechanically. And these, like, I remember, I still remember vividly, like I got platinum before, like no, most people didn't even know how to aerial well, right? Like, like that wasn't a, a thing that was used it was just kind of ground play and it was the sarp veterans that were mm-hmm. that could aerial and that was about it and i still like so vividly remember the first ranked game i was playing when someone aerialed in it and it was wild it was the coolest thing i'd ever seen it's not like there was youtube tutorials teaching you how to half flip or aerial like that didn't exist the game didn't have legs yet so seeing that kind of organic experience was something that i i, I unfortunately don't think a lot of players get anymore because as soon as like yourself you're saying recently in the recent months it's been a now i want to grind get better 
and really focus on my ability. Now it's, it's so much easier to, to talk to someone who is a higher rank or pull up a YouTube video and watch some tutorials. So that kind of organic difference was really interesting for me and uh, actually almost started pushing me to make things like YouTube videos and, and mechanics. Mm-hmm. But in terms of what I've had to, and like the change in my play, I would say post season four or five, uh, probably post season three into season four was when I, like I said, I was kind of reaching my peak and I was like, okay, I've, I think I've succeeded as a positional player, as a game sense player, because I've found, uh, for me, a lot of it was actually pulling from hockey. Uh, what I still love is the the classic one, two, three rotation that you see in tabletop tactics. And as that is taught to literally every player up and coming, I teach it to the folks I coach. Uh, truthfully, and I know you're a basketball guy, I'm a hockey guy, um, Is a it's an offensive rotation and offensive cycle in hockey. Is It's verbatim that exact same rotation and i have been playing that way since i've started the game because my initial two teammates were two of my hockey teammates and so we're like oh let's just offensive cycle while we're there and and see how it goes and that's what we would do so little gold to platinum us at this time of season one were completely outplaying teams that were just ball chasing because but were mechanically gifted compared to us and so that was kind of the big difference we were seeing was that we were able to make it by because we would just outwork teams only maybe letting a, a maybe zero or one goal per game and end up scoring four or five because we'd out rotate but we couldn't aerial and we started seeing this big uh, it, it really started to catch up by season four is kind of what i was seeing was that mm. it stopped being this we can outplay everyone because uh we can just ground play really well and and we can aerial enough and it's when people are starting to and like the the invention of the ceiling shot and the air dribbling when it was hitting its peak and these these skills that we don't as much look at as uh super rare or elite because like i ceiling shot several times a game now because it's that's just part of the the play at that level and at the time i was like "Ah, i don't need to learn it it's not important we can make it by with what we're doing and that i think is where i lost my competitive edge was when i was almost i don't want to say cocky but i was i was almost in this mindset of a it's still a video game so i don't need to like I, whereas in hockey i will practice my wrist shot or i'll practice things like that i was like oh it's a video game I'm, i what am i going to do i'm going to sit there and practice my shooting which is when the current me that i look back at and as guy probably have more time now in free play than i do in actual games uh is funny because that mindset really shifted moving into the end of season five when i again started taking the game quite seriously and ever since it has been i've spent so much time developing actual formal free play routines and uh these different ways to basically learn new skills get those skills to a consistent basis uh what i I see a lot of people call the unconscious ability to to do them right and and Mm -hmm. so it becomes that muscle memory and that was kind of the big alteration i had to make but unfortunately i think i made that change too late in the game that i i fell behind too far and and i I now working full-time and i was finishing school and I just kind of lost the time that I felt I was able to put into it. Uh, and I feel as if maybe I, if I grinded a little earlier and a little harder then maybe, who knows, maybe I could have done something with it and, and go on and not be uh, washed. Like I like to call myself, but uh, that, that was kind of the big change I've seen. And I think we're seeing that now and not to make this an esports discussion, but that's the kind of change we're starting to see in the game now is you look at a team like the Pittsburgh Knights and previously Peeps, where they play this kind of demo heavy style where they have someone like Gyro making a double flip reset from the ceiling to score a nice solo goal. 
and teams like G2 or Cloud9 that are focused on this team play and this rotationary play and so on are getting left behind again because the, the skill ceiling has risen once again with some of the introdu introductions of these new skills and abilities. So um, that's kind of where we're now seeing this new legacy, which I, I feel like I can relate quite heavily to. But whereas now it's the game meta changing, for me, it was I had to change my mindset and get back on board with where the game was going rather than where I thought I wanted it to go. Right. Mm. <clears throat> mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's there's a lot to be said about getting to a point where you're unwilling to learn or unwilling to take the steps to to try different things, like almost, you know, to a point of complacency. Yep. And that happens in so like every rank, right? It could happen in gold. It could happen in diamond. It could happen in champ two. You get to a point and you're like, you hit this plateau and I've, I've done it, you know, I'm, I'm sitting there right now. I'm, I'm always trying to think about how I can get better. Um, cause once you stop thinking about how you can get better, you're not going to be able to get better. Mm -hmm. And so you're just going to be stuck. Yeah. And once you tell yourself, well, I'm, I'm going to quote unquote get better or I'm going to grind but I'm, I'm not going to learn flip resets or I'm not mm -hmm. going to learn ceiling shots or I'm not going to try and do this, then you might as well like throw in the towel. You're not just going to get better if you're not trying to get better at anything. Yeah, if you're you not pushing it. yourself. Yeah, that is the exact, and it's I, that's why I very much feel almost hypocritical in my current spot where I am finding a lot of success as a coach and I'm, I'm watching players in literally like a couple of weeks rise two, three, four ranks in, in the work that I'm doing with them, which makes me very proud. And it's funny because I will preach that exact same thing of, uh, it's funny, I have a uh, I have a free play, a couple different free play routines, depending on what the person needs from me that I will use and, uh, and work through. And my last line on all of them is basically challenging them to not be complacent and to force themselves to be in these awkward situations in free play. They're going to force their car control to get better and force their uh, abilities to be used. And it's funny that I feel hypocritical because that was my exact mentality when I did get to what I would consider my peak and playing quite well was a, and so my example I always use, and I talk about this with a lot of the folks that I work with is I love right now that we're seeing a resurgence of air dribbling at the professional level and at the highest level of the game, because when that became like quote possible uh, and I was seeing it at my level of play in in season two into season three I remember at first I saw it I saw it in like a Jay, one of Jazer's first videos was him just doing these really nice air dribbles into the corners of the net and I was like oh that's a pretty cool freestyling thing like pretty easy to defend if you if you focus on it but like pretty cool uh, at, the, at the end of the day and I only kind of got over the hump of being like ah like I don't need to learn this. And I only kind of changed that mindset by the time it was starting to get phased out because folks were getting better at backboard defense and uh, reading an aerial and things like that, that it, the game had changed without me. And I always will use that as my example of where I got complacent and I was like, oh, it's not a skill I need to learn. But I, and I still confidently got GC most seasons. I didn't learn to air dribble until maybe season seven or eight. Like I was mm -hmm. very, very late to the game and I still am not even that great at it yet that was something that I know for a fact could have helped me moving forward, right? And and could have pushed me more to, to be better. And and at least it doesn't even come down to learning the skill. It's the ability to consistently work on something and that you can always be improving your game. And that complacency, like you're talking about, is what catches a lot of the folks that I work with and definitely caught me uh, because I had such a not great attitude towards what I was doing. Yeah. And I've I've had that same kind of attitude towards 
ceiling shots and air dribbles. It wasn't like, oh, I don't need this. Like, mm-hmm. uh, like I can win games without it. It was more that th- there were basic things that I needed to work on. Like, I still don't get good connection with every uh, you know, touch that I try to make, or I still can't air dribble effectively. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, just like just practicing anything will make you better at everything. You almost. got us. Yep, hundred percent. It's the so, ability to push yourself with that, right? That is gonna hopefully then push the rest of your game as you move along, provided you're at least putting a balance in as to what you're learning, right, and what you're focusing on. Yeah, I've been spending a lot of time. I've I've been. Uh, a half an hour every day in the air dribble workshop nice. map. Uh, I actually got up to 16 seconds yesterday. Oh, wow. Like it, Man, it was that's my awesome. Last, yeah, yeah, it was it was crazy. Like I hit it, you know, up and up and up a few times in a row. And then usually as it's going down, I was still carrying it pretty well. And my previous record before that was like 13 seconds. I beat my record by three seconds nice um and you know am i air dribbling the ball across the field every single time i touch it no but like i can feel that my car control is better i can feel that like when i go for an air dribble or try to hit the ball in the air i can slam boost down and go towards the ball confidently Mm -hmm. like there are things that i do more confidently now uh than before I started working on this on a daily basis. Like mm-hmm. you don't know where your work is going to show up as, as value to you. hundred percent. And that even goes with some of the, and you saying you're like, you don't always hit the ball as hard or as, as centered as you need to. And then you want to, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate for learning car control. That tends to be one of the main things that I, uh, I really push for a lot of my students and the, so for that, I have a, a bunch of free play things. I have mindset things that they need to focus on in games. And one of the the nice bits of feedback I often hear, and that relates really well to it, is that when I'm focused so hard on folks' car control, they notice later that they're shooting better. And they're like, I don't really know why. Like, I'm not even touching the ball when I'm focusing on my car control and things. But it's because you now now you know like how to air roll a little, just the, the smidge more or smidge less that you need to get a good contact. Or you know how that ball, similar to where air dribbling, you know what parts of your car are going to hit it harder or what parts are going to hit it softer. And you can really fine tune that ability that that's not even a skill you're working on, yet you're seeing improvement in it. So um, not surprised, but really happy to hear that you're, you're seeing the same with air dribbling because uh, that being a skill that I really neglected I similarly saw a massive change in my play when just I had the confidence knowing that it was something I could kind of do right the second you kind of bridge into that and you know oh this is something that is in my toolbox this is now it, it builds that extra bit of confidence moving forward uh, and something I really started to see with my own play as well so happy to hear that that's working for you similarly well, yeah thank you so <clears throat> going back to like when you were grinding the game a little bit more on for yourself like where would you say your peak mmr is or where does your mmr sit around even now in the game got it uh i actually made a joke today so i have i have four accounts um just across the board of of different for different uses i have some buddies who play uh, that are like will play once every three months uh so i literally have an account basically just for them and a couple other friends who are bronzes where i'll just more or less sit in net and i won't do anything and i'll let them just have fun coach my thing my my two main accounts which one is my coaching account one is my actual main account my 
three's rank on my main account, its peak recent, like in the last two or three seasons, is just under 1700 so i think it was like 1680 1690 that area and then but twos was the game mode i've definitely still put the most hours into i've really became a threes player in recent years when i was competing in crl and coaching crl but i uh my big difference was when i was playing previously i was always twos so my twos peak mmr was i don't remember at the the time i want to say it was in the 1700s but uh maybe a little higher and recent years my peak solo queuing has often been just under 1700 as well uh, on my second account is where that uh, gets played more so uh, for some reason instead of having like what people would call a smurf or my coaching account and my main i feel like now i've almost separated into a twos account for myself when i'm playing and then my threes account on my other because my twos rank is like champ two i think because i'm often playing with uh like platinums or diamonds that i'm working with on and and going through and part of my coaching routine is to play one or two ranked games with them so they can feel a bit of a higher speed and and, and push themselves so sure uh, that is so that rank often sits lower so yeah so I, I if anyone ever asked me i would say my peak mmr when i was playing competitively would probably be around the 1700 mark uh if someone asked me now i'd say i'd call myself a 1600 player uh just for the sake of not trying to overcompensate sure so very solidly grand champ like Mm -hmm. you're not sitting right at 1500 or 1520 barely getting in there like Mm -hmm. you're you can lose you can go on a losing streak and you'll still be gc you got it. It literally happened a couple of days ago. I was playing with the, the two guys I used to play CRL with, and uh, it was like 4 a.m. We're all super tired. We're like, ah, let's just play for fun. And we lost like 10 games straight, and yeah, still, still a GC, still, still there. No, no threat to the, um, to the cause or anything like that. But, uh, yeah. So I, I, I would definitely consider myself a, a solid GC. It's just I don't put in enough time, unfortunately, anymore to uphold that, and I don't really tend to care all too much about who I'm playing with. Like, if I have buddies who are in Diamond saying they want to play threes and want to play rank threes, uh, and I'm too lazy to switch accounts, I'll be like, yeah, hey, I'll just play with you on this one. Uh, not a huge deal. Um, which often gets hated, so I, I try to not pop off or, or, or try too hard. It tends to be more of a, I'll play third man and, and give them coaching and give them advice while we're playing and, mm-hmm. and see how they're doing. So, yeah. It's uh, definitely not someone who cares enough about my rank, but that, that's probably where I set myself, yeah. Sure, yeah, of course. So, just just for fun, if you had to look at your own game, mm-hmm. where what are your shortcomings, and how would you go about fixing them? Definitely mechanics, still, uh, for sure, is my my big. And so, if I had to actually get specific, uh, I've always been quite confident with shooting and passing, and just general. Uh, I will always call them intentional touches. So I'm quite confident with when the ball hits my car with where it's going to go. I, I tend to not make a lot of mistakes in that area. Where I am lacking at my current rank is the ability to do a lot more of the advanced mechanics. So I have absolutely no trouble saving a flip reset or, or saving a ceiling shot or um, handling a very difficult flicks or, or like you get the breezy flicks or 180 flicks in the works. Um, I can't go then the other way and do it. So mm-hmm. I would often see so for instance one's is a great example of this i know you were talking about this with verge when you had him on um where it it really shows me my shortcomings as an individual player and and I'm, I'm a team player through and through like that's that's why i enjoy coaching that's why i enjoy playing with people so i don't play a lot of ones i generally sat around c3 maybe tickling grand champion ones when i've played but i also haven't played ones in i think four seasons now i'll play like 10 to 12 games and that's about it and 
I so for me, I always see it when I will get scored on by a gorgeous mechanical goal. I can't come back from that. So I play how Cooksier used to play ones when he was uh, focused a lot, where it's I will happily let you take 30 shots on me in the game and you might get four or five through me, but I'm going to wait for the four or five that you overcommit on and, and walk it down the other way and, and have a pretty easy goal. So my my shortcomings really come with the ability to do a more advanced mechanics and the confidence of doing so. Uh, I was just talking about that with one of the guys I was coaching where he, he was asking how, what I think of flip resets and if they're worth it. And so I think they're worth it at a high level. I would never coach someone um, even like as in C3 or lower often, I wouldn't even coach people to do it, but you're also like, I'm sure you see it. You're in a rank where you see like, you'll play with one person who can hit triple flip resets, but can't rotate for their life. And mm. then you're with another player who is phenomenal at rotating, but can't hit the ball at all. And is really struggling mechanically. Like that C2 is tends to be where I will, I will place that. And it is not, fun in my opinion to play and i feel bad for a lot of the folks who are really grinding to just be better players because you get a lot of the folks who are flip resets only and that's how i'm going to get to grand champ because that's the important mechanic and there's there's a fine balance and so for me that is my that's where i definitely missed the mark was i didn't have that fine balance of being able to back my positional and brains with the kind of brawn ability to to do the, the nutty plays that would get me in clips and uh, make me popular on twitch and so on so um I play the boring game, if that's how I could word it, and that's definitely my shortcoming. Yeah, <laughs> I play the boring game, and that's my shortcoming. <laughs> As a Twitch streamer, we could say which, that that's my shortcoming. Which, which, to a point, is true. And mm-hmm. I, I mentioned this on another episode. Like Rizzo plays really boring Rocket League, but Rizzo is Rizzo, and that's what makes it entertaining. You got it. Like if you if you took the audio, if you muted a Rizzo video he would get no views. It would just be like, cool, this is Rocket League. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But because he's, you know, talking smack and just being goofy and, you know, saying ridiculous things, people like his videos. And of course he's good. Like he doesn't make mistakes. Mm-hmm. He hits the ball well. He scores good goals. He passes well. Like he does what he needs to do. So it's entertaining in that sense because, you know, it teaches you how to play well. But in terms of like, comparing what he does to forky or squishy or jazer or some of those guys it's pretty boring for sure and i remember uh so i have just for context i used to write for uh, i still technically do i never ended but i haven't written in a while um i used to write for rocketeers.gg which was a esports magazine for rocket league and uh, we actually picked up some some great legs we were interviewing pros basically every other day i got to meet tons of pros from doing it i had a blast and that was something i had learned from interviewing fairy peak uh, back like but this was like i think he had just left mock it at the time like it, it was it, it was old and that that was his play style as well it was like he played a very simple game hit really hard shots did not overextend like was to me the perfect ones player of could pull off played in the the brains and mindset that i did but could still do literally anything he wanted with the ball for the time um which like he was very inspirational for me and i actually played him in a lot of weekly tournaments in the finals and he would always destroy my team every single time he would play in na tournaments and absolutely wipe the floor with us um, um, and anyways, so I, that was one of the things I really chatted with him quite a bit about was that he, he defined himself as being a boring player, which I would never, especially if you watch him like today, you would, you could never say that because of the things that he can pull off, but he plays so intelligently 
and is able to back it with the mechanical ability to not make mistakes similar to Rizzo, that he has found so much success while still being able to sprinkle in the very pretty double touches or the the really the the, the goal that got them uh, out of their uh, almost not making it into the regional uh, playoffs with the overtime goal in game seven that he boomed top right corner from midfield. Like th- those kind of abilities that to me are not boring, but a lot of players are like, ah, like he doesn't hit a flip reset. So he's like, not he's not that great. He's not that fun to watch, but has found so much success in doing so, right? Uh, being obviously the most recent world champion, a lot of uh, major wins, things like that. So uh, I would put him in a similar boat. Right. And I, I feel, you know, going back to those flashy things, I haven't watched as much RLCS this year as I have in the past or this season, mm. but I, I watched the North American regionals and in the few matches that i watched and maybe a little bit in the eu too i'd be curious to know what you it it, it's almost like they would go for a flip reset even sometimes when it wouldn't necessarily be advantageous to like if they're if they could have air dribbled the ball and you know gotten in between the ball and the wall or like set up a 50 50 for themselves that could have been more advantageous than just trying to get under the ball and going for a flip reset and then losing the ball completely. Like I, mm-hmm. I saw that at least three or four times, uh, you know, in the matches that I watched, which might not seem like a lot, but when you don't get that many opportunities, one oppor- like one 50, 50 mm-hmm. is all it takes. Mm-hmm. And have you, have you noticed that as well? Like, I almost feel like, uh, it is a, a little overused just because at some points, you know, you can extend the play and get a really good shot when somebody's not expecting it. But when you're getting a cleared challenge and you don't have time to set it up, you, it, you're basically giving the ball away. Yeah. And that was a comment I made, especially after week one. And I had initially attributed it to uh, like week one nerves of like trying to overcompensate since it's your first week of RLCS and trying to pull out wins and little things like that. And like, I remember, uh, so I'm a cloud nine fan, uh, it's like full take. Uh, and so they're one of their only wins in the season was in week one and they looked so sloppy. I was super unimpressed with who are my favorite team. And, you know, I thought G2 looked sloppy. Like I, uh, there was a lot of sloppiness in my opinion early and it, it took me until about week three to actually notice that pretty large change. And that comes with, I think, the meta change that we're seeing is that there is a these the up and coming teams so that being like united pittsburgh knights even veloce at this point uh are really kind of changing the game in where we are seeing a lot more focus on an individual mechanical ability and the team providing the opportunity to do so so whether that be demos or hard clears or things that aren't the standard kind of low 50 into a passing play that we've seen for the last maybe three-ish seasons now as, as kind of the meta of of professional threes. And that is a massive change we're seeing. And so we're seeing these older teams almost trying to catch up to that. And so I think Energy is a great example where they have always been a pretty strong team play team. However, they have a, a so much raw mechanical ability between the players on that roster. Like, I still think that they're one of, hands down, the best rosters in the world. Uh, I can't even touch them. And so you, and they also kind of pioneered this this bit of a meta change with the pickup of Justin, where Justin often doesn't miss those slippery sets and often doesn't miss these nutty touches. So then you get someone like Turbo now this season who has been that kind of third man 
trying to take bodies, trying to set up plays, trying to just be relevant and in the play. And that ends up being the almost switch we've seen, but a lot of teams can't hold up to that. And so you see a lot of those kind of missed flip resets where teams I think are trying to overcompensate now to, to similarly what we were talking about earlier, try to keep up with the meta and not fall behind and fall out of touch with it, right? And that's why Rocket League, as a, just an eSport in general, we've how many players from season one and two of RLCS are still in? Like two, not even. Uh, mm-hmm. The like I the my like claim to fame as a as a quote professional player was we I played in a college tournament last year. And we played, uh, Licinio goes to a Canadian college. And so we played them in the semifinals of a tournament we were going into. They were are put as the favorite of the tournament. They're like, oh, Licinio is one of the best. He's a world champion, one of the best in the world. And like he couldn't even keep up with the new meta. I was shocked playing against him. I have so much respect for Licinio. But like we, we beat them as three no-name guys playing for a rather small university in Ontario, Canada. And we we beat a 1700 Licinio and a, I think a 1600 at the time. And with truthful, a little bit of ease because we had just focused a bit on team play and we had seen that he also wasn't really keeping up. So it's hard to, it's hard to not notice now, especially what you're saying, this, this kind of focus on things like flip resets rather than just taking a 50 or what we would consider a smart play. And some players, unfortunately, are getting left in the dust with that, right? Mm -hmm. Well, and that just goes back to having a willingness to evolve as well. Mm -hmm. Like, I, I don't see any reason that Licinio couldn't still be a top-notch player, mm-hmm. like a high-level player. But Kenobi's and, proven that, right? That that he can stick with it and, and stay yeah, the top. It's, yeah, it's just your willingness to look outside or more inside of yourself and say, what is it going to take for me to continue? Mm-hmm. And what do I have to do to evolve? to continue to be good. And I think that's, you know, something that I'm really interested to see uh, with the upcoming seasons of RLCS. You know, we're going to have 10 teams next year in the RLCS. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to have some teams that uh, were expected to be the top tier that were literally the bottom. <laughs> and how are they going to respond? I'll, I, it'll just be interesting to see you know, what come, what comes of it and then who else starts to show up and, and how things continue to evolve. Yeah. Oh, for sure. It's, it's, we are in a, what I would call a great time competitively for Rocket League because the meta is starting to change so drastically, which we haven't seen in a while, uh, which a lot of people were actually saying was going to be the downfall of the game, was that we we're just going to get to a point where it's just no team make any mistakes and it's just who can out-rotate each other, which is not the most fun to watch uh, as an eSport, but also a bit of a dangerous time because if, let's say, and this, I talked about this a couple weeks ago uh, on the ASAP podcast, was... I don't know, and I don't think Rockley's at any real threat here. This is very much me reaching, but uh, if if I'm the owner of a large org, like if they think of like Team Liquid or like orgs that aren't in Rocket League right now, are you super confident to join in and try to pick up these these up and coming teams if you're seeing two orgs like Cloud9 and G2 potentially being relegated out of the main the big leagues, right? Because of this change. So I'm, but I think, and like I'm saying, I don't think we're at any real risk of orgs not wanting to join. Rocket League is doing great. We're getting fit over 50,000 viewers per stream, which is awesome. Uh, but the, that's kind of where my head has been going recently is that this, we could be looking at a bit of a dangerous time. So we're, I'm really excited to see how the meta 
basically changes, but then also stagnates, right? Once we get to a spot where the good are the good, the bad are the bad, and the meh are the meh. And we'll we'll see where it goes from there and see if we build some consistency or see if we're just going to live in a very shuffling world where Space Station can be bottom of the barrel last season in NA and now be second place or like Pittsburgh Knights are didn't have an Oregon and then win a dream hack and then come in third and in, in NA league play little things like that that lack of consistency that we haven't really seen all too much yes a bit knee you but um that is Rocket League is, is changing drastically at the esports level and I think that does come with the the positional play the meta of of mechanical play little things like that that are really really fun to watch I mean I feel at the higher levels and and I want to continue to try and just relate that to just play in general. I I feel like to, at a at a point teams are going to be very evenly matched. Mm-hmm. And it it'll be interesting to see. I feel like Rocket League is such a momentum game and you can even feel Massive. it in the games that you play like in ranked or in casual, like if you get down by three and a team is feeling confident and the other team just can't quite get things together, it can turn into seven, eight or nine very quickly and mm-hmm. easily. And we saw that a couple times this past weekend, teams just getting blown out and that can happen. But at, at some point, you know, we might have a season that's like season three or season four world championship where it's just, hitting the ball back and forth. And that's that's the one thing that I'm curious about because, you know, in in Rocket League videos and even in Rizzo's videos, he says they're going to just hit the ball back at you. So just wait and they will give you possession. And that's when you hold on to the ball and try and dribble it. And I see that a lot at the pro level. Like I, I I'm very interested to see if they ever – try and slow down the game a little bit to make it more like it it can't be as slow as hockey because it's just too fast they mm-hmm. they move too fast but at the same time I'm intrigued to see if a team will take the risk of trying to play a game that is more possession based and it won't be that every single time because sometimes you just need a clear so you can recuperate or you need to like boom the ball down the field just to throw off the other team but i'm curious if if somebody if some team will ever just be like okay we're not going to try and advance until we can do it together and really take possession of the ball yeah the and i think that's where we were seeing initially the meta heading with teams like g2's passing dominating um and even uh, vitality's early on and they've kind of shifted as a team as has many of the other teams and just our system general as happens but uh, that was where i think teams were moving initially was this always booming the ball because you're always looking for the breakout pass that's going to end up being a boom like it's not going to be a possessional play it's going to be a this is either going to be a, a hard clear which we need in this situation or our team is going to be fast enough and, and positionally strong enough that we can have someone up on that that side wall breaking out to then pass back in the middle and and that was specifically i will always use g2 because they're so good at breaking out and then turning it into an infield pass and that's where they found a lot of their success and 
the like I said, the, the meta is changing. I don't need to keep harping on that. And I I agree though. I don't. I think players just move too fast. There's not enough space on the field, despite it being huge. But when you're when basically all pros are almost always going supersonic, no matter where they are on the field, they the space feels so much tighter, right? And you feel that as every time you up a rank, you feel like there's less space, less space, less space. And so it's about adapting and and changing and working on your own play and like i was talking about intentional touches which i think is one of my strengths and i love setting pace like setting the tone of a game and, and being able to slow down is one of my biggest strengths hands down as a player and coach it tends to be my kind of bias where i i tend to lead by the the players that i'm working with but never i don't think unfortunately we're gonna get to a point where we will see what i would like so when i picture you use hockey as an example when i picture a power play in hockey where it's this you will go a minute without taking a shot because you're just passing between all five guys around the neutral zone and offensive zone within the blue line. And until you see your perfect lane that you take that shot, whereas there's so much more focus on things like resource management. So knowing whether or not you're the guy coming in behind you, if you're on defense has boost, if he's calling that or not. So knowing if you then have to go up to the ball to recover for him and, and help out. And so in rocket league, the big focus, especially at the professional level is a let's make a play as fast as possible, boom, a ball to their backboard or on net so that at least one of their players is using 60, 70, 80 boost so that he is now out of the play and is, is going to be low. And then continuing that very hardcore high pressure uh, high velocity action that we i would love to see us move in a slower direction i can't foresee it if you know what i mean um, yeah. with that because because of the, the specifically truthfully at its core it, i think it comes down to the boost management part that i was just talking about that they're the the big focus for the last couple seasons and we are seeing the shift like i said um, but the big focus has been a how can we waste the other team's boost and then secure their corner boosts so that they don't right. get any more. Now we're seeing the focus on a, like, how can we literally remove a player with bumps or demos or pulling them in with an individual play, things like that. To it, It's less on the, let's try to incapacitate a player. It's a, let's literally remove them from the play altogether so that it becomes a 3v2 instead. And that's kind of the direction I'm seeing the, the play move at the professional level and even at the, the higher GC level, uh, which again, teams are going to have to adapt and work towards. And uh, even for someone like yourself, who really is grinding towards uh, GC, that is something that you should be keeping in mind for your own mindset as well is a, what is the expected play of the players that you're playing against? So the meta right now in C2 to C3 is probably just a pretty he heavy offensive defensive rotation. Play your one, two, three. If you have a cool solo player and infield pass, great. But otherwise, it, it, from what I see, it tends to be a lot of just a, who's out rotating the other with an infield pass here and there. So mm -hmm. for you to find more success, and this tends, and this is kind of the, the caveat I tend to give to this, is and when you start to try to change your mindset to what I'm about to talk about, you might see a negative reaction first of you maybe you're you're bumping into your teammates or you're not feeling as comfortable but the whole point of of what a lot of coaches will push players towards is especially at your rank and higher is to push you towards an uncomfortability so that you're the person who's standing out you're the person who's setting tone you're the person who's who's changing the meta of just the individual game not the not rocket league as a whole but that one single ranked game that you're playing and you are the one who can who can be what i always say you want to your mentality wants to be that you're the best player on the field so find out other ways to do one of two things you are either boosting the, your teammates to that level uh with you and trying to find ways to involve them with passes backboard reads setups like that and then mm. the other half is how can you abuse your power of being what you would think is the best player on the field and maybe that does mean a solo play here and there or maybe you are cutting rotation quickly just to keep pressure and and now boom you have another boost from their corner and the other team can't get out little things like that that are obviously much easier shown in game but that 
allow you to stand out and what i find a lot of players will first either stagnate or maybe even go down a rank and then once they get comfortable in that world and that headspace of them being the ones setting the tone and changing the game a massive increase in rank and skill truthfully because you're building your own confidence to use the things like air dribbling that you're working on and so on rather than being the third man or trying to play the safe game which i always did as a player so um yeah well, and it's interesting that you kind of in that with the idea of playing the safe game because that – so I got up to champ three a couple weeks ago or a week nice. and a half ago or something, uh, and now I'm, you know, right I, – I think right now I'm div two and champ two, uh, and I made it to champ three div two, and the way that I made it up there was playing much more conservatively, mm-hmm. like almost like – you know, I wasn't gibsing it up. I wasn't sitting in gold, <laughs> but I was I was letting my teammates be more the aggressors and then moving in when there was a safe, clear opportunity to do so. Whereas right now when I'm playing and I I get to look at some replays because I'm still missing some things that aren't very clear what's going on because right now i'm i'm normally at the bottom of the points lists Mm -hmm. uh in my games uh so i get to figure out exactly what i'm doing wrong i'm trying to be more of a rotational player and it's something that i've always struggled with like that is definitely one of the weakest part of my games which i think is clearly also why I'm not as ranked high as what I think I could be because, you know, if, if there's anything that I've heard from all of the grand champs that I've talked to while I've been recording this podcast is how critical uh, positioning and decision-making is to ranking up in rocket league. Like you don't have to be an extremely mechanical player to be grand champ. Mm -hmm. You have to be smart and responsible to be a grand champ. Mm-hmm. And I would say that I spent, you know, the first three plus years of me playing this game as kind of a mindless player, uh, a little bit ball chasey, but not necessarily effective enough either in the game to be ball chasey, like not fast enough, like yeah. always a couple steps behind. So now I'm trying to learn how to, uh, inject myself into the play like try to go to the right spot i realized that i would always be uh behind the play so now i'm trying to like go where i think the play is going next so that i can be in the game um and i'm working on uh how to effectively be within the flow of the game so that i can contribute as opposed to just holding back and then knocking the ball out for my teammates to chase after or me to maybe get, you know, like a second or a third touch mm-hmm. to set like them up. Trying to win the one nothing game kind of thing, like keep it safe, keep it easy and uh, not throwing yourself in a bad position where you get caught. Cause obviously that then even emotionally just feels worse, right? If you're right. the one directly affected and you're the one who may have caused that. Uh, and so that's, I'm happy to hear that cause you sound incredibly similar to when I started. And even when I was in grand champ, like when I wasn't winning games, uh, I was a very safe player and I still am quite a safe player. Like my, uh, so I coached the, so I played CRL for a year and then I coached 
coach them for a year. And when I was coaching them, we we found so much success against teams that were significantly higher than us because we played a safe punishing game was the the play style that we played yeah. uh but the difference is though is that all three players were on board with that and that's where you see in my opinion the biggest difference in the safe game is that if all three players are ready and two of my so at least when i was coaching two of my three what are what i would describe very fast players like i had to rein them in for that play style uh mm-hmm. they can play this punish game so fast that they look like a g2 or rv when the second they get an opportunity where both of them have full boost it's a one two three pass out and now boom you scored an open net or maybe one goalie back with it was in with an instant rush and but when i see so for instance like the third player on the team who who i would describe as much slower and safer if i'm ever just casually playing threes with that player often similarly they're behind the play and they often will make jokes about like oh stop leaving me on one-on-one d like you guys always leave me behind and it, it took a lot of reflection for that player to sit there and be like okay hey, why is it always me that's somehow getting left behind like what is it yep. here that i'm doing which i really appreciated him for because um he doesn't he doesn't like coaching all too much so he uh, luckily had that realization by himself uh so that he had to play faster and up his speed so now for probably about maybe just about probably the last year that really has been my, my coaching style is coaching against what I always did. And what it sounds like you did was to let's find ways to get you to stand out as the best player on the field. And abuse that in ways that is not only going to help you but also help your team by if if you are hitting like a nice player you are playing super speedy turning that into a like an intentional pass or a really good shot that's going to even if they had saved it's going to make the other team waste boost and is going to start the pressure play things like that that can allow speediness to not be confused with chasiness like you were saying it's you if if players any players that i work with that are chasey they need to be able to back it with the mechanical ability to do so and i would say about 90 players 90 percent of players cannot they're like i definitely cannot if i play chasey i definitely can't back that i i'm not good enough to do so and my and this might be good advice for you the one piece of advice that has stuck with me for a very long time was when i was interviewing a few rlrs players for rocketeers uh, and they i was talking a lot about okay like you're technically now you technically just left what is considered like the bubble scene or the bubble player scene because you you have a contract you're playing in the professional level like you're up there what is the big difference that got you there and a lot of them often would talk about speed positioning play style things like that and one of the guys i chatted with he he had said because i'd asked if they had any advice for players who maybe were trying to get to the bubble or were in the bubble or in that area of of what can they change to become a pro and he talked a lot about confidence and what that meant to him and so his his actual like literal piece of advice was and practical piece of advice was spend one day every once in a while where you start your play session and you say today like i'm going to be a monkey like i'm just going to chase i'm just going to throw myself at every ball i'm going to cut off my teammates i'm going to do basically everything wrong that a safe player and like the 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 play style it sounds like you and i both play where it's the like let's just make sure we're fulfilling our duty as a teammate and and that will win us games he said spend one day where you hurl yourself at the ball and basically break every mental and moral rule you have because at least that's going to force you to learn your actual physical limits rather than the mechanical limits that you think you have and he was talking a lot about where that was where he really built his confidence working his way through and that's Mm -hmm. advice i tend to give to because i a lot of the guys i coach are quite similar where it's a they they feel like they're playing safe they feel like they're playing everything right but they're not seeing the rank increase and they're not feeling their skill is increasing either and that often is the one piece of advice i give and it sucks like it does not feel good doing it uh and 
but I have seen such massive increase, not only in my own game, but in the folks that I've worked with by doing that, that that tends to be probably one of my big golden pieces of advice I tend to give to people of uh, even if you do it once in the next like six months, just have one day where you turn off chat. You're not worried if people are going to yell at you or things like that. And you just become, or even play with friends and just tell them that that's what you're doing and they should play normally. And then you can really start to at least balance what your mental and internal limits are versus your actual physical limits. And that was, I think, some really, really good advice for pushing the safe players to at least break out of that and find what they're, where they should be and build that better balance of how to actually be in the play and not always be behind it or how to use the new skill that they've been practicing in free play but never feel like they have the opportunity to use in game or things along those lines, which I found really, really valuable. I feel like that's the that's literally the only way to improve. Like if you if you are in any rank no matter what it is, the only the only way to improve beyond that is to do things that make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like if I play conservatively, I could get to champ 3 again and I'm not Eventually, I'm going to get to a place where I am just not even there. Like, I don't mm-hmm. exist in the game. Mm-hmm. Like, I would literally have to sit in goal or wait for the ball to come to me because I wouldn't understand how to handle the game. And fortunately for me, like, I have some friends that are GC that I play ranked with sometimes, uh, but more often than not, we're in like, public lobbies that we have taken over mm-hmm. and I get to experience playing against them. Uh, but the only, the only way that I, I realize the only way that I'm going to be able to match them or get to that place is if I do things differently than I'm doing them right now. Mm-hmm. And like, I can, I can play safe. I can play within my means and rank up a little bit. And I'm not going to get any better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it, it really, it, you have to really examine how you define getting better. Uh, so for me, just thinking like I'm, this is kind of all coming to me as I'm saying it. Like if you're thinking about getting, if I'm thinking about getting better, you can almost look at it two different ways. And I, I don't want to say you because I don't want to push it off to the listener like you, you, you. I want to take some responsibility for this myself and, and say that this is almost how I have been looking at it and how I'm trying to look at it moving forward is I can look at getting better as my MMR going up, but that is just this innocuous i don't even know if that's a right word the uh, a word to use there but it sound it it sounds smart <laughs> like this number that is a represent representation of my skill and my mmr can fluctuate 150 points mm-hmm. depending on you know if i'm quote unquote playing smart or playing dumb and the only way that my true skill will go up is if I make myself uncomfortable and the uncomfortable all of a sudden becomes comfortable. Last night I was playing ranked games and I've gotten better at this, you know, over time. One thing that 
I have noticed recently in my game is that I will aerial for a ball and just be a little slow to it, even though I know that it was going to be there before I jumped, but I just hesitate a little bit because I want to be extremely sure that it's going to the spot that I already think it's going. And so I said to myself that I'm going to make faster decisions. And once I, like if I see a ball that's about to hit the roof and coming back down to the ground fast and nobody's around it, what's it going to do? It's going to bounce hard off the ground and go back into the air. So why do I wait for that bounce to happen when I could jump when it's still coming down to the ground and then I meet it even faster? Mm -hmm. And it's those kinds of decisions that I decided to make, even though I'm a little uncomfortable making those decisions because I want it to be like in my core, I want it to be a sure thing. But what's unsure to me right now, if I do it 500 times or even 100 times in games, all of a sudden that is the sure thing that moving forward, I'm that much better. You got it. And you can really see that when you watch. And this is why I really encourage people who are literally at any rank to just watch the pro players, but not watch the game, watch the decision-making. So if you, and it, it, the camera tends to shuffle between players so fast in RLCS that you don't get to see it as much, but in the, the rare opportunities that you are following a player for a decent amount of time, especially if they don't have the ball, the two big things that I would often push people to be watching is one, their positioning. So seeing where they are at all times, seeing how they can stay relevant when they're not directly involved in the play that's happening with the ball. And then the other one is when are they jumping? When are they committing to a ball? When are they going up and, and watching just how fast it is and not going into a game and trying to emulate that there, there's a very good chance that not even there. It is a fact that 99% of people cannot do what they're doing uh, uh, because of the ability that they've gotten their skill level to 99.9 literally. Yeah. Like I said, why like i'm in i think i'm in the point what is it point one percent right now i think technically with my current mmr and uh i'm still nowhere near their ability or their their uh level so for that it what i really encourage folks to do is to watch and see it's this this very simple thing of exactly what you're talking about is like why why are you waiting every single time to see how the ball is going to bounce off the backboard and then flying up to it? Start pushing yourself if you're at, if you're comfortable um, enough to read it in general. Start pushing yourself to read it even earlier, jumping earlier, getting up to the ball earlier, using different ways and strategies to do so because that, like you said, is the only way you're actually going to get there. Because if you always, and this is why I, I really do love giving the what I call the golden piece of advice of having your one like monkey day every once in a while, is being able to literally look at a ball and be like, ah, I can't hit that. Like I have to wait for a second or uh, like, like that one's oh, too fast, like not reachable. Like always having that excuse from like a pass or a ball that's went over your head where like, oh, like that one wasn't reachable. Like I'm going to half flip and get out of here and go back. And then just going for it one time and seeing maybe, maybe you can, maybe there's a, a very innate ability to do so that you just have not tested yet because you haven't pushed yourself to that limit. And that is the only way you are ever going to actually learn if that limit is there or even what that limit is in the first place. Yeah. I was talking, I was playing some games with a friend the other day and we actually talked about this a little bit. I can't remember. Oh, cause, um, I was actually playing with a couple guys that were both older than me. They're both older than me, which is a very rare occurrence for me to play with a couple of guys, both older than me, uh, because I'm, I'm quite old for the scene and they're both good. Like one of them is a grand champ. The other one doesn't really play ranked, but you know, we 
were all you know in the same speed playing people that were pretty good uh in casual and we got into a conversation about the capabilities and what people are able to do in the game of rocket league because i would i would put down the argument that this is not a twitchy esport like this is this is not a game, uh, and I haven't played a lot of League of Legends or gotten really good at League of Legends or uh, Dota or you know I've played Counter Strike uh, and other you know first person shooters or Fortnite like those games from my experience or StarCraft I think is a really good example. Like mm-hmm. you have to be able to move extremely fast in those games to be effective at an extremely high level. Um, whereas rocket league, like moving fast is clearly important and, you know, everybody has their limitations. And that's one thing that my friend said is that I think you underestimate your capabilities and what you're able to do personally. And I would certainly say that, you know, I, I take my, uh, my hand-eye coordination and things of that nature probably for granted, and I know that I can still improve on the decision-making side of things. Like if I could make a decision faster and I know that I can make decisions faster, that my ability to improve uh, would go up exponentially because once I am able to make the decision, then I'm able to learn to follow through on that decision. And I feel like, Uh, It would be the same for a lot of players if they were able to make decisions faster and confidently and just like go with their gut, then eventually their mechanics would catch up to their mind and back and forth. And some people might have mechanics through the roof, but their brain can't handle it. And so if their decision making caught up to their mechanics, then, you know, they're opening a whole new world of possibility for themselves. Like you have to find that nice teeter-totter of both and if i if i unlocked my decision making a little bit uh and then let my mechanics catch up to that then i think that's where like being able to really like not just get to gc but break through and be even better like get Mm -hmm. to that 16 1700 level like that's where that's where i matter that's what i'm missing right now Mm -hmm. yeah the I think the because people all I remember so much uh, in post game interviews and stuff people would always have the debate of what's more important is it mechanics or is it like gameplay and positioning and often people don't talk about decision making because it's it's hard to quantify right like you can't you can't just say oh that guy's good at making decisions it, it's mm-hmm. it's it's difficult to do so and that argument of like who's the best decision maker is especially in a game like rocket league where it is it is rather fast paced especially compared to traditional sports it's definitely i completely agree it's not a twitchy sport by any means um but it, it is quite fast it's very hard to see and appreciate the decision making of, of especially pros where like their entire game is decision making uh and incredibly fast decision making at that mm-hmm. and that's so often why it's not talked about because how how do you coach and how do you improve your decision making other than being reflective like like you're doing right now of like how can i unlock that that uh 
that just in general, like how can I literally shut off your mind just for a bit so that you can learn the exact times when you should and shouldn't be making decisions very unconsciously. And that's where this unconscious competency starts to come into it, where it becomes a, we always say muscle memory for a mechanic. So like I can half flip based on muscle memory, but can I reach a ball that is basically skimming the ceiling at 60 kilometers an hour uh, with absolutely no thought at all or is that one of those balls where i'm like oh like that might be over my head so i'm not going to go up and i have to hesitate to think about that right and mm-hmm. and that's where you you do see that big difference in between the good and the great the c3 and the gc or the the low gc and the the 2000 mmr players is that absolute instant decision making and 99 out of 100 times being correct with it right um which is really interesting and really important but impossible to quantify and and lay down as a skill for someone when trying to talk about who's the best player in the world or or things like that right and i think that people lump that into a mechanic oh interesting i would have thought the oh i would have thought the opposite i would have thought uh for play style but i see why so let me guess is it more because you see it of a like if they are constantly winning like races to the balls and things like that. Exactly. It's as, a, as a speed and as a mechanic, it's a but it's actually decision-making. But yeah. really, it's decision-making. I agree to that. I, I see you. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because, like, the way that I look at it, um, so one thing that I struggle with a lot, I don't want to say that. One thing that <laughs> I, I've because I've gotten better, is say, like, you're uh, in your back left corner in the ball, or even in, in the goal, right? And the ball is coming across from the other side of the field. It's clearly going to the wall and then it's going to bounce off. And you want to meet it like right as soon as it gets off the wall to beat your opponent to it. So you can start heading the other direction. Like that is decision making to me because you're making the decision of what is, what angle is the ball coming at? What angle is it going to bounce off the wall? And then Like, how fast do I have to go? And the faster that you're able to make that decision and then execute it effectively. So it is like a mechanic because you have to control your car, you have to control your boost and all of those things. But then it's also making the decisions of what it's going to take to get there. You got it. And I think that's where my mind went for me lumping it more in the the, the play style and uh, your positioning area of that because and so this is my kind of example for it, is that there, there's nothing that boosts my ego more than when i'm coaching and playing with someone and they talk about how fast my recoveries are and that's how that's where they want to get because mm-hmm. if, if someone asks me what is my best like mechanic or my best skill recoveries is always my answer i'm very very proud of my car control and being able to like get bumped across map and still always land in a, the most advantageous position that i'm going to be in uh and most of my safe replays tend to be me making incredible cross map saves when I'm, I'm coming all the way back and yeah. um though that it by far is my favorite and to me a lot of that also comes from my decision making of always knowing where to be on the field so that even though my mechanical ability to actually recover is what people will most likely see it's my choice to be where i am on the field that still allows me to actually provide those mechanics you know what i mean um with that and so that's where that at least is where my head went i think i'm i'm leaning more your way of like that i definitely would lump that into a mechanics conversation and i think most people would as well um and that's what's i think why like why we've now spent as much time as we have talking about decision making is that it it actually covers so much of the invisible game like the game that no one can really quantify all too well but is hands down one of the things that separates a pro from a bubble player from a gc from a c3 and down the line right definitely Uh, so uh, super super interesting stuff that i i actually don't feel as if 
most analysts or coaches have really been able to break down, including myself. Like I have not really been able to to break down a good way to work on that with folks because it is such a personal and almost intimate thing of mm-hmm. reflecting on how can you adapt and change your decision making to what is going to be needed for you to succeed. Right. It's taking it from the game, which is very like physical to more like what's in the head and and some people everybody looks at those things so differently. Like some people work with metaphors and pictures and things of that Mm -hmm. nature and other people want to just like lined out to them and some people just have to get it in their hands and do it over and over again to start understanding and honestly just like make mistakes over and over again until they understand like oh this is what I have to do and this is what it's going to look like and this is how it's going to feel so that they can do it effectively themselves like you can't you can't tell somebody how to do it how you did it because they're just not you Mm -hmm. you got it it's okay. yeah it's so so personal mm-hmm. yeah okay so the i i would just like to put a little bow on that conversation that we were that we're having about uh decision making before we start shutting down the show uh, i would i would encourage everybody that's listening to make the decision to be okay with making mistakes in terms of like taking risks, getting uncomfortable, uh, getting better at decision making, honestly, like you you open yourself up to better decision making by giving yourself permission and making the t- decision that it's okay to make mistakes. And whether you do that in casual or ranked or just like running around in free play or a training pack, like one thing that I found in training packs even is when I was working on a training pack, I was trying to hit the ball perfectly. So I was going extremely slow to the ball instead of like laying on boost and trying to get the touch that I wanted on the ball. I would like flutter my boost and get there eventually. But that, that translates into a game very poorly. So like you always want to be pushing yourself and being a little uncomfortable. So be okay with making mistakes in your decision making and making the decision to make mistakes, because that will correlate into you eventually being able to make that decision and execute it and be comfortable doing it. It's mm-hmm. good. It's a good way to wrap that up. <laughs> yeah. So that's my final thought, mm-hmm. which leads me into ending the show with your final thought uh wow uh so much autonomy i no i i think you wrap that nicely and i i think truthfully you you said it well a little while ago when you were talking about it where when i went on my long rant about how to improve your confidence in decision making and you had made the note of saying that that literally is the only way to get better and i think you actually almost humbled me a bit, whereas I've really looked at this, the talk of things like decision-making and building confidence as a rather complex thing that I've, I'm proud that I've been able to help people work through, but it literally is, is as simple as that, is that when I, when I learned to fish and I love fishing, when I learned to fish, when I was younger, I would often do basically everything wrong and didn't really understand why I couldn't really catch fish with my dad or my uncle or whoever I was out with. And it took me literally like losing rods in the pond to 
finally kind of understand the feel of it and um, when I should pull versus when I should give some line and when I've then gone on much bigger fishing excursions for much larger fish where it's that much more important, I have found much more success because probably unknowingly as a child let myself because as a kid like you don't really care what people think like you're just you're gonna do what you want to do and it's about kind of getting in that mentality of being able to just let yourself be the kid for a moment try things see if it works explore if it doesn't great you've now learned it doesn't and you can find ways to improve that and it, mm-hmm. i think for that literally goes for all skills so it goes just the same for rocket league of that you need to change your mindset at literally any rank that you're at if you want to get better um and that is the only way you can really actually focus on improvement is by allowing yourself to consistently make mistakes, but consistently learn something every single time instead of just closing down the game saying, ah, like this game sucks or oh, my teammates suck or oh, that ball wasn't reachable. So not my fault. And then doing the exact same thing the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. The, the From the second you say I can't or that's not possible or I don't know, or I don't get it or anything like that, or I'm not getting any better then you're just not going to get better. Mm -hmm. Always lead with how do I get better or how could I have gotten that or what did I do wrong or what mistake did I make so that I can get it right the next time or at least get closer. You got it, right? It's a step, right? It's every single time it's going to be a step. Like no one got GC in a day. None of the pros became a pro in a day, right? Like it is, it is a lot of time. It's a lot of effort, but it needs to be an intentional effort, right? When you're going Mm -hmm. through. And I think that's like hands down one of the most important parts of actually improving there. 100%. So then uh, two more things and then uh, we will, we will cut the cord on this one. Uh, what is a question that you would like to ask of the audience? And I actually got two or three um, messages from people on Twitter and nice. Anchor this week. So the the initiation from the audience is starting to happen, which makes me so, so happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was thrilled to hear from new audience members. And I think part of that is also, uh, you know, you guys at the at the ASAP Weekly show giving me a shout out and uh, having me on the show, uh, my numbers literally doubled. Nice uh, after having you on the show or being on your show yeah. and then having Flash on the show. So that was that was just really nice to see. And your community that you guys have built over there is phenomenal. So mm-hmm. uh, cheers to you guys for what you have created. I hope that uh, you know eventually I can have something very similar going on with this show. I mean, the folks that are, listen and and reach out on a consistent basis are phenomenal, uh, and I just look forward to you know having more and more of that. But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, question for the chasing grand champ audience. Mm-hmm. No, and just to, to go along with you building our community, like, I'm really happy to hear that folks are, are starting to like, really dive into that. It's such a good feeling. Like, we were literally just talking about it when I was saying, and for my own Twitch community, it's really nice when I get messages or things in my Discord of saying that like people are excited for my stream or will interact with that. And so it's just as similar, like I plan on, on giving you a little shout out at the start of my stream tonight to um, get the hype up for that as well. And I hope some of them make their way over here and, and, and listen through all your episodes. I do have a lot of Rocket League fans, so I'm sure they'd be more than excited to find a new uh, medium to, to take part in. But no, so my question I would say then would be, I, I really want to make it more of the coaching in line. So what 
I would love to know what people think are the like indefinable skills that are hard to coach that like it, it, you you mm. can't that you can't really sit down and be like oh here let me teach you how to half flip and we can work through that or like let me teach you a standard threes rotation like what to to a lot of the audience and it literally does not matter your rank because anyone could have an opinion on this and that's why i hope that this could provide some good insight uh because i guarantee i haven't thought of it all i guarantee tom has not thought of it all i guarantee pros have not thought of it all so what is like an almost undefinable skill that at least has helped the viewers succeed moving forward. I don't know if you have any insight on that before we end, Tom, but I'm, I'm always curious to hear what people can associate with uh, of, of a success. Like mine very much so was mindset to like was that's where mine kind of went. And that's what I was talking about with like the, the chasiness and, and we've been able to kind of title it a bit better as, as decision-making, but I'm always curious to know what are the things that like on, on a good day, when we said you're playing good, like on a good day, what is it that that's kind of undefinable that lets you get there? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's so person to person. Yeah. Because everybody looks at the game so differently. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even getting the perspective is good. But like for it. me right now, I feel like uh, as generic as this answer is, like almost being able to play faster, but to play faster more effectively. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, I feel like I'm getting more into the rotation of the team but then i you know i i want to be able to score more goals provide more assists get more say like do all the things more while being a part of the rotation as opposed to just sitting on my back two wheels waiting for the right thing to happen Mm-hmm. No, that's a. I think that's a phenomenal answer. That's a, that's a huge one, um, and that's truthfully. I don't know if you were looking for one that like someone could have a right answer to, but that's kind of why I wanted to ask a question of. I think you, I think you might get some pretty interesting responses of things right. that people think would and, be almost like undefinable. Yeah, and there's certainly no right answer to that question. Mm-hmm. It's almost just like what what is the what is the thing that you're struggling with the most? Because that is the thing that you haven't been able to define for yourself. Fair. Yeah, that's, actually, that's a great word to word it too. Um, yeah. Like I, I know, for instance, like with me, I, and like I said, mindset was my big one. And I know I had to teach myself what actual practical and definable things helped me work on that undefinable thing. So for me, building a good mindset of like, for instance, something like speed, um, music is a huge part for me. Like I listen to music when I play, even when I played at land tournaments, like I, I for, like I will make sure I can still have access to music while I'm, if I'm playing on a main stage or things like that, like I need music. Uh, and the reason I do so is because the music sets my tone. I I build playlists based on like like literally BPM and speed. Like it tends to be how I build a lot of my my playlists. And mm. if I'm finding I'm very antsy, like right now, like I, I'm I was rather tired from a long day at work. But when I get to talk about things I'm passionate about, I get pretty giddy and loud and and going. So I know I'm rather antsy right now. So if I was going to go play Rocket League, I guarantee you I'd be putting on one of my more like slower vibe musics uh, music playlists so that I can kind of bring myself back to earth and find my tone and my like settling in but when i if i'm playing like midday and i'm just kind of like if they're like morning or like midday where i'm like kind of groggy or like haven't really woken up fully uh or if i'm playing very late night i tend to play like hard rock or um or like edm or things like that that will up my speed so like that's my kind of definable thing that helps me work on the the mindset that isn't super definable or able to actually coach right Mm -hmm. so which is cool and i think that's a big thing some folks could think about yeah Mm-hmm. So uh, you even before we started uh, the podcast, you were talking uh, very enthusiastically about your stream. So why don't you share with everybody where they can find you online if 
if they would like to uh, interact with you more. Yeah, th thanks so much. Yeah, so my I'm on Twitch, uh, so I stream uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and some weekends. Uh, I do work full time, so I got to be kind of cognizant of how much time I'm giving it. Uh, but I uh, so I stream at twitch.tv backslash bu underscore combo. I'm trying to change that right now uh, because I don't currently bu is my old school. I don't go there anymore, and I don't uh, work for them. So uh, I'm trying to change that, but uh, Twitch hasn't been the most helpful. But that's okay. <laughs> so uh, but yeah, it's bu underscore combo is is my my Twitch. Uh, I uh, am a huge variety game streamer. I always throw Rocket League in the mix, but I play VR, indie games, uh, and I'm streaming literally at, in 20 minutes when we end this. So uh, I, I hope folks will come on by and, and say hi. I, I have a really good community there. They love literally half the time. They're not even talking about my gameplay. They're just talking to each other about how their days went, which is really cute. Um, so uh, folks can definitely come on board and, and, and join that. They're super welcoming. So yeah. And then of course, you're also a part of the uh, ASAP Weekly podcast. I am. Uh, yeah, I have. I have many ventures <laughs> so yeah. between my writing, my podcast, coaching, Twitch. Uh, I, I'm in a lot of areas right now. I I also am uh, on the planning committee of an entire Rocket League like league. Um, so the OCRL. Uh, I'm one of the four uh, guys who plan and run that league. It's an entire summer league for all CRL teams from. We actually say from Canada, um, but it started in Ontario. So uh, we we run that every. We just had our first LAN and everything this summer. It was awesome. We got big sponsorship money. Like it, it went very very well um so that's another place i'm putting in a lot of effort so you might see me casting or doing things there as it we hopefully get a little more traction we're working with psionics and epic which has been awesome so uh we nice. might even get some some work in there which would be great so um plenty of ways to find me if you're if you're uh curious enough to want to hear from me again very good uh okay so that's that um obviously uh from me uh if you want to find me online it's i want to just tom uh check out my youtube channel please i want to just tom as well i appreciate that uh i appreciate you listening to the podcast uh you being the internet listeners uh obviously you can't you you don't need to listen to this combo since you were on it <laughs> Uh, you, you gotta, you gotta listen a little for the ego, right? Gotta see how you sound. Sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> make sure I, make sure I, uh, I did well by you. Yeah, cut um, my words in sentences, spin it all around. <laughs> exactly. And then, of course, uh, if you want to answer Combo's question, you can do that uh, on Twitter or online. You can also send me a message on the Anchor app. You can download the Anchor app uh, on the Google Play Store or the App Store and send me a voice message. That could be played on the podcast sometime in the future, wow. uh, which I've done once before. Um, and I may have some showing up in uh, episodes coming up in the future as well. Uh, that's always cool to get a, a notification about somebody sending me a message. I always appreciate that. Other than that, that's all. Uh, Combo, I appreciate the time. I know that we're getting close to your go time, so I'm going to uh, let you get going. Thank you again for joining me. It was a real treat, as always. Uh, and I have nothing else to say, so we're done. All right. Thanks don't, so much, man. Don't don't close the browser yet. <laughs>